Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we are broadcasting as usual from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful yet chilly Alpharetta. And folks, hey, if you're looking for a better banking experience for your business, if you're tired of the mega bank experience, and if you're at one of those banks or you were, you used to be at one of them, there are a lot of refugees that have come out of there. You know what I mean. I'm one of those. You can't get a live person. You're talking to a phone tree that will not let you get to a live person. If that's what you're tired of, Renaissance has a different way of doing business. I think they're big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to deliver those services in a personal way. At least that's been my experience. So go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices, some 200 around the Southeast, and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Chris Knowles. Chris is the president of Beyond Computer Solutions. Chris, welcome. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's talk about you and Beyond Computer Solutions. How are you serving folks out there? We are helping them focus on running their business while we keep their business secured and running efficiently. That's pretty straightforward. I like that. But sounds like you're doing uh, uh, more than just that. It says beyond computer solutions. I like that. So you're serving however you can serve, huh? Yes, sir. We go a little bit beyond just supporting computers now because IT covers so much out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Talk about. Let's talk about you before we get into your services and how you do what you do. Let's talk a little bit about you and your background. What led you into this field and how did you get your business started? So it's interesting. I grew up with computers back in the late 80s, 1990s, mm. back when computers were just personal computers that you used at home and you had to dial up to the internet. But I was always fascinated with technology. And I knew after having a father who was running his own business for many years, I knew I also wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I, I figured out in the early I say the early 2000s was when I really started Beyond Computer Solutions and started really just doing IT as a gig. I just really got my experience early on and just always had a passion for technology and helping people. Those were in the days before we knew words like cloud. And That's right. Yeah, and because when you're talking about dial-up, you're talking about, I remember those those days, a lot of people don't, I think have forgotten them. But what you're talking about, Chris, is you were started your company at a time when obviously things were a lot different, but you've developed as ex, as your expert, you've developed your own expertise as technology has changed and morphed and grown and gone in different directions. That's right. When we first started Beyond Computer Solutions, it was all about just maybe putting a server in an office, mm-hmm. connecting computers for maybe a small law firm, right? just so that they'd have a better way to serve their customers. It wasn't an always-on, high-availability situation. It was mm-hmm. really more of a convenience. And people would just pay us when things went wrong, right? Yeah, it was a break-and-fix thing, right? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's what they called it back then. And that was the entirety of your business at that time, huh? Yes, sir. At that time, it was all about just billing the, the fees to set everything up 
uh-huh. and then getting paid to go on site when things weren't working. So uh, the cloud came along mm-hmm. and talk about like how that has developed because a lot of people that are suspicious of the cloud are using it and they don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of folks who said, I'll never put anything in the cloud. And then they find out that what they've been doing was actually in the cloud anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's been with us for longer than a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like AI, right? Yeah. It's been with us a while. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's talk about the kind of clients that you work with. Cause I, I want to get into, so you use that to set up the, how you solve their problem. So let's talk about some of those clients that you work with. Sure. So we started out serving mostly real estate law and title companies. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we still have a lot of those customers from the early days and we continue to add more. It's been a great niche for us. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest reasons is because they have to have computers to work for people to buy houses, for people to wire money. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts and we just know that business really well. So that's been one niche, but mm-hmm. we've also been serving manufacturing and some other professional services offices as well over the years. Got it. So law firms, accounting firms, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. What are their big issues? Biggest issue is preventing wiring fraud. That's mm. probably the biggest issue because anybody who wires money mm-hmm. is part of their business. Right. For example, a home buyer is going to go to a real estate attorney. He's going to wire money. They have to be concerned about that. And I'd say the next biggest thing is watching for email threats. That could happen to anybody, whether they wire money or not. So you're talking, what you're talking about here is, I guess, you'd call it data privacy, you'd call it cybersecurity, right. all those things. It touches those things. Why is this, why do we keep reading about this? Why can't we solve this problem? Because this problem continues, it's a huge problem and continues to grow. That's correct. Why are we spending billions of dollars a year on tools when tools aren't solving the problem? Yeah. I think the biggest reason, and what I've seen in my own experience as an actual cyber incident responder, is that people are not trained to recognize that their employees are letting the bad guys in. Mm. They're not just hacking their way in. They're getting let in by untrained users. And no tool or no AI or anything I know right now is going to be a silver bullet or 100%. Mm. So it's a combination of people processes and tools and where you're hearing all about all these big breaches especially the last couple of months is because they probably didn't have proper training but they probably had all kinds of expensive tools Mm. and again i'm not knocking tools but you've got to have the monitoring and the training to go behind it as well yeah people run those tools right right. yeah i had never thought about you, you you've made a great point that i had never thought about is to say you've been hacked is something of a misnomer, right? Because that implies, as you just said, that implies somebody came right through the front door and from a, I'm using this metaphorically, they burst through the front door, as it were. That's not how they did it. So they really didn't hack. They were invited almost by somebody that, that unknowingly accepted an email or hit a hit a link or something like that. They call it business email compromise mm. as being one of the top threat vectors still today. That's not the only way, but in the engagements that I've been involved in and in trying to resolve cybersecurity incidents, that's usually what happens is somebody opened an email, whether they admit it or not, they clicked a link and somebody got in, they watched who was who 
for about 90 days before they actually struck. And that's the scary thing, John, is when somebody gets in, they don't necessarily strike right away because they want to sit around a little while and figure out what kind of data can they download, mm-hmm. who's who in the organization, who can they impersonate, right, and try to extort someone else they know. So you're right. It, it's like they're not bursting the door down, but once somebody lets them in, they're pretty dangerous folks. And they may not necessarily be interested in your business, but in the clients that you work with. And because you, they may get information on those clients that helps them get through their back door, if you will. Absolutely. So let's talk about that piece of it for a second. And maybe the responsibility I as a business owner might have if I have a breach and that affects other businesses. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're not doing best practices for securing your organization, and someone gets into your network or mm-hmm. your computers and then infects someone else, especially if they might be in healthcare or someone where they have regulatory government compliance, you could be responsible for what they call a third-party breach. And so it's really prudent for any business to, to make sure that they review their policies because a lot of insurance policies now are requiring them to do these things mm. and make sure that you can check all the boxes to say, I have hired the right IT company or built my own IT department to include people processes and tools it's not perfect but if you've done those things and you still get hit at least you've got some credibility to say that you did your part right chris knowles is with us folks he's the president and founder of beyond computer solutions chris let's talk about all small businesses i would think a lot of them what they have in common is they think they're too small to be struck Always. <laughs> That's all what the they all have in common, right? That's right. Who's going to want to come after my small business? I hear that all the time. Explain why that's such a diluted way to look at this problem. Back not long ago, I'd say even 10 years ago, it might have been true to say you're a little too small to be hacked. As long as you had good antivirus and you weren't connected on the internet a lot, because back then you didn't have full-time connectivity, mm-hmm. you might have had some shield. But today, every small business is connected at all times. And the threat actors don't have to know your email address or really much about you. They download these lists and they use powerful tools to just spray emails. They don't know who you are or they're not necessarily targeting you. They're just sending it out to every domain name out there that maybe GoDaddy has. And one of your users opens the email and then that's what lights their computer up. And then they look into who you are and Mm -hmm. then decide, what can I get out of you? In fact, if they ransom you, we have this thing called ransomware, which you probably, your audience is probably familiar with that by now. But just a quick synopsis, mm-hmm. it's something that happens to your computer where you can't get to your files unless you pay threat actors to get your data back. Right. They will determine what your worth is and what to set the ransom fee to be based on what kind of business they think you are. So if, if you look like you serve high-profile clients and you're making good revenue, then your ransom is going to be much higher. Right. So you're never too small. In fact, smaller companies can't always put in the expertise and the tools that larger organizations do. So they know that smaller businesses might not be as shielded. So what is the, maybe here's the way to ask the question. What's the cost for the typical small business that has a breach? I know all breaches are not equal and the extent of the damage is different, but 
a small business that gets a has a breach, has a ransomware attack, what's the average cost to them? As of 2024, I think our statistics yeah. are that the average coin that you might have to pay to get your data back if you're ransomware is a small business could be anywhere from 500000 to $2 million. That does not include if you had any sort of regulatory government uh, violations. For example, HIPAA, if you had patient data exposed, your, your fines could be as much as fifteen dollars to $20,000 per patient file, per record. Oh, boy. Not to mention the legal fees, which could be about $600,000. And one thing I want to say about all this is a lot of small businesses will buy a cyber insurance policy and think that's their fail-safe, right? That it's just going to cover all of this. They don't need to spend money on tools or anything else. These policies, they're not really for, worth a lot of money. They're worth maybe 250000 maybe up to a million dollars. So my question to a small business owner would be, could you afford to be down potentially two weeks, pay up to $600,000 in legal fees, and possibly pay a $2 million ransom and still be in business six months later? It's something to really think about when you're assessing your risk. Do you have a vision into the failure rate of businesses that get hacked and how many of them last past that six months you're talking about? What does that look like, Chris? Unfortunately, the statistics show that about 60% of small businesses will go out of business within six months after suffering a major breach. Oh, boy. That's more than half. Yeah, that. <laughs> That is, that's pretty sobering. I had no idea. So what does the regulatory environment look like in terms of how that's changing and how the requirements that, I know it's different for some businesses, like you mentioned HIPAA, and if you're dealing with people's health information and records, that's a much more onerous kind of and more highly regulated kind of situation. But talk about the average small business out there that maybe not doesn't think about the need for this or doesn't think about it from a regulatory point of view. Let's put it like that. That's a good point because there's many great small businesses that, that we even serve that are not subject to regulatory compliance within their own industry. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you an example. If a law firm happens to work with medical practices, then all of a sudden the emails they communicate back and forth, they're subject to HIPAA regulation. You're considered a business associate of anyone that you do business with that, provides HIPAA or FINRA or other types of government compliance. So it's really important for anyone who serves someone who has compliance requirements to also follow those same best practices and guidelines to be compliant themselves. Because again, you don't want to be part of a third-party breach. Right. It doesn't have to be complicated because the good news is the cyber insurance companies now are starting to explain what they want from you in order to have the, the coverage and that checks the boxes for most everything you need to do to be compliant. So, Chris, you mentioned lack of training, right? That's a big one right there is just training their people. But what are some other things that small businesses either neglect to do or they maybe proactively do that aren't things they should be doing that we need to warn people about? Yeah, so there's some great quick things you can do today to actually ensure that you are ready for a potential cyber attack. One of those things, of course, is to pr provide training. For our clients or even our prospects, we provide a nice video-based training program where you take a test at the end and you, you print a certificate of completion. 
It's really fun, interactive, video-based. So there's that training that's super important because those are your front lines, right? Your employees are getting emails every day. They need to know how to recognize a phishing email. The other thing is making sure that you turn on uh, multi-factor, also known as two-factor authentication, Mm -hmm. to ensure that any of your email accounts, any of your bank accounts, even social media accounts, you're all required to not just put in a password, but also have a text or maybe an authenticator app, have another way of verifying who you are before you sign in, at least for the first time. Okay, so that's another thing that people can do. And another tool that I'd like to mention, there's what's called password managers. Yep. We need to quit trying to memorize passwords and add numbers behind familiar words every time we change them because the threat actors can run dictionary files and guess your passwords pretty easily these days. But these password managers will generate an automatically generated password that's 16 characters long. It'll save it in your browser, even in your phone. So all you've got to do is just click the website and it populates the password for you. And you've got one master password that's very secure that manages all of that. Mm -hmm. The product that we recommend is called Bitwarden. It's B-I-T and then Warden like Game Warden. Right. It's a free download. If you do those things like multi-factor authentication, Mm -hmm. training, and use password managers, you'll reduce your exposure significantly. It's not the only things you should do, but those will definitely help. So is this something like making sure your car is locked that it, because if you lock your car you you're you're just telling the bad guy go find the next car that's left unlocked is it is that what we're talking about here is just making yourself secure enough that people give up and go to the next business that's a really good analogy because anytime you can make it harder you're not the low hanging fruit and they're more likely to go to someone else who didn't lock the door as you say yeah in fact if we can take that analogy a little bit further when you press the lock button on your car, if you've got one of those key fobs, not only does it lock the door, but it sets an alarm. Mm. So think about multi-factor authentication. You've got your password, which is your lock, and you've got the the second method that, like I said, the sure. texting or the multi-factor, that's like your alarm. So there's two ways that you're protecting yourself. Mm, I like that metaphor. That Yeah, very nice. Um, let's talk about your services and how you work with clients. Typically, how do you get a client? Why do they come to you? Is it because they've been breached in some way or how do they, what motivates them to to pick up the phone and give you a call? That's a great question because we are a full service IT company. There's a number of reasons why someone may call because we're not just about security. We actually help our clients maybe move server workloads to the cloud, mm-hmm. get rid of expensive and expensive hardware that's pr- prone to failure and requires on-site visits. Now, all of a sudden, we've got everything maybe in Microsoft 365. It's all supported, and it can be supported remotely. So those are different reasons why we get phone calls, but every once in a while, we get a call because somebody got breached. Mm. And it's hard because we have to go in, kick the bad guys out, and we're billing them a lot of money to do this and also to make sure that We help them meet the legal requirements of reporting everything. And then, of course, after we've done that, they never not have cybersecurity again because they realized I wasn't too small to be hit. Yeah, It's not our favorite way to get a client. We don't want anybody to ever be breached. I would say the number one way we get clients is through referrals, small businesses who want to improve processes or they need IT support or their insurance requirements require them to have these things we talked about because we meet all those requirements. You said something there that that's interesting to me. 
because I think a lot of business owners, this is a begrudging cost, right? They view IT services, even if they're fully protected and they've got the Lexus version of what Beyond Computer Solutions has to offer, they view it as a cost. You said something there, though, that I detect value in, which is business processes. Mm -hmm. So if you have business processes because of effective technology, that's a productivity enhancer to your business. Absolutely. And that's why we do more than just cybersecurity. We want to protect your business, but we also want to help you be more productive Mm. and have better business outcomes through automation and through utilizing the cloud. So many things we can do to add value. And so what we do is we provide agreements that include everything you need to be more productive, supported, and secured. So we're consultants just as much as we are security guards. To that end, as a small business owner, I'm thinking strategically about where I'm going with my business. Do I need to pull you in as my IT services provider and have that conversation so that you're proactive, proactively able to help me in my business? Absolutely, because we want to make sure we align technology with your business goals. It's not like one or the other. It's We want to sit down and figure out what are your challenges as a small business, especially if you're smaller and you're competing with larger competitors. Mm-hmm. How can we make you more competitive and use newer technologies like AI and actually help you with your IT troubleshooting? John, I actually have a lot of clients, by the way, that have an IT department, but they just don't have all of the expertise in some of the things that we do in the cloud or with cybersecurity. Mm. There are people out there that may just be looking to augment their IT, and we can do that as well. Sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You client gets in touch with you, and let's talk about, we'll, we'll forget the clients that have a breach. That's a special situation. But those clients that feel like they need uh, something better, uh, than what they currently have. How do you assess what their needs are and how do you how does that conversation unfold? So we usually start with a list of questions. Are you required to be compliant with any sort of government regulated compliance? What are some of your business challenges? We sit down and actually have conversations, but then we also run a an assessment tool if you have any sort of infrastructure already in place. We can be able to tell if there's any gaps, identify those gaps provide you with a plan on how to plug the holes, make you less vulnerable, more resilient against a cyber attack. So we're happy to do those assessments all day long, and we typically start with a light assessment free of charge. Got it. And do you, in terms of your charges, I know it's different for every business, but you charge by the employee or the station, or how does that work? Yeah, so many of our clients that are smaller, we charge per person. Mm-hmm. So you're paying us per person to have the complete bundle of security, the licensing for Microsoft email and, and things right. like that. Some of our larger clients though, maybe they've got more computers and they've got people. Yeah. So we just bill per device, got it. but every device, every person, they all need something that's part of our, our package. And we take care of that. Let's talk about mobile technology. That's a particularly Interesting. I'm using that in air quotes. Piece of uh, the puzzle here, right? Because employees obviously are in love with their iPhones or uh, what have you, Androids, and they sometimes use that device for business, right? They do. So let's talk about the issues that are involved there. One of the first issues is you got to be really careful trusting public Wi Fi with your personal or company issued device. 
it's really convenient when you're at the airport or you're at the coffee shop to hop on Wi-Fi and get things done either on your mobile phone or your mobile computer. But the problem is there's so many people that are piggybacking on that public Wi-Fi mm-hmm. that are trying to watch what you're doing, steal passwords. There's a technology called VPN, Virtual Private Network, that takes that security risk away. So if you have to use public Wi-Fi, there's uh, programs out there you can download and install to make it a better experience. They typically charge 5 to $10 a month for those services. Mm-hmm. I personally use them. They're well worth it. One of them is called NordVPN, mm-hmm. RD, okay. VPN. Uh, there's also IP Vanish. But you just simply download these products so that when you're out in the field using public Wi-Fi, if you have to use it, again, I, I don't recommend you just make that your first choice. If you've got 4G, use that first. But if you're on Wi-Fi, run these programs, they'll encrypt everything like you have a firewall built in. Oh, wow. Okay, so I cannot resist. You On your website, you've got a free guide, eight, the eight best ways to save money hidden in your phone technology. Right. I'll let folks go to the website and download the, uh, the free PDF, but give us one or two of those. I'm glad you asked about that because that's just an example of other things we do besides security. Uh-huh. We will help businesses save money because a lot of them are paying for antiquated phone systems that they may have had 15 or 20 years and move to this newer voice over IP technology. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we start by looking at your phone bills, your internet bills, and figuring out what you're paying. And in many cases, not every case, but in many cases, we could find even hundreds of dollars worth of savings just by switching to a different phone system that we can help provide. Oh, wow. I may not download the PDF. I may just call you for that. (laughs) That's that's awesome. Wow. Chris Knowles, folks. And Chris is the president and CEO, founder of Beyond Computer Solutions. So, Chris, I would love it if you could share maybe a success story, one that helps illustrate the great work that you do. Absolutely. So, a few years ago, there was a nonprofit organization that had 5,000 employees worldwide. They were hit by a major uh, cyber attack. It was called a cryptojacker. And sadly, all of their servers, all their computers were all encrypted, and they were mining cryptocurrency. So what mm. the threat actors did is they basically turned their whole, their mission that we're helping people, they turned that whole thing into a money-making operation in a bad way, right? Everything right. was shut down. They couldn't get, get to any of their data. Our team was able to go in with our cybersecurity partner and shut it all down. We were able to kick the bad guys out, restore that operation, save the entire nonprofit organization. They're very highly visible in other countries. And I'm really happy about that because although they did have a lot of expenses, they didn't lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's just an example of what could happen to nonprofits or any kind of business. Great work from Chris Knowles, president of Beyond Computer Solutions. Chris, this has been terrific. I can't imagine there aren't some folks that having heard this interview wouldn't want to be in touch, particularly if you Tell me how I can make money on my mobile phone. For example, let's tell them how they can find you. Absolutely. You can go to our website, which is www.beyondcs.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can just look up Chris Knowles or Beyond Computer Solutions. I'm pretty active there. I try to share a lot of helpful content. Or just pick up the phone and call 678-799-7635. And my direct extension is 101. 
Terrific. Chris Knowles, folks, the president of Beyond Computer Solutions. Chris, thank you for the great work you're doing, and we're just delighted we could have you on to celebrate that, shine the light on that work, and keep it up. Sounds great, John. I'm hoping I can help a lot of small businesses stay protected. We look forward to that, certainly. Thank you again. Hey, folks, just a, a couple of quick things before we let you go for today. I have a book out. Just got released. If you're listening to this show in January 2024, it's called The Generosity Mindset, A Journey to Business Success by Raising Your Confidence, Value, and Prices. But you can go to thegenerositymindset.com to learn more and find ways to buy the book. But the book's available in all the major book retailers, both in ebook form and in paperback form. If you're a solo, small professional services provider who needs help with your positioning, your value, your pricing, it may be a book for you. So go uh, check that out if you're interested. And I want to thank you, our listeners. You are just fantastic. You have supported this show in so many different ways over the years. This is We're now up to almost 750 shows with North Fulton Business Radio over the past almost eight years. And we've only gotten this far because of you, because you continue to support us in in a number of ways. One of those ways is sharing the show. So if you've heard something here today from Chris that makes you think, hey, I know somebody that needs uh, Chris Chris and his services, please share the show. That's the way we get the word out on great business leaders like Chris and the other some 1,100 guests we've had over the years. It helps others find them, helps them prosper, and it helps us live into our mission to be the voice of business in the North Fulton region. So thank you again for your support. So for my guest, Chris Knowles, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.